Welcome back to Uncapped. I'm Eldridge, and today I have my co-host Tegan with me, and today we're going to touch on some Web3 trends for 2023. There's a lot to break down. We're going to be going over engaged to earn mechanics. We're going to go over community-led creation, whether or not big brands will actually start communities with NFT projects or brands, whether there's going to be DAOs that are used to validate demand in the market, and how some of the bigger players like Salesforce, Shopify, Instagram will all lead brands and influencers to move towards Web3. So there's a lot to actually unpack here. And I think we're going to kick it off with Engage to Earn. So this is really about rewarding those active and loyal fans. Tegan, I think this is a, a really interesting one to begin with. Yeah. Because Engage to Earn is something that we want. We desperately need as creators um, and brands should be advocating for this as well. Right now, I think in terms of a influencer or a brand, if somebody is engaging with their content or engaging with their products, there's only so many touch points that exist at the moment. But, you know, with Web3, I feel like there is a opportunity to broaden that, that spectrum. So whether somebody comments on your post or engages with you or chats or uses your product or, or buys it, how does that all accumulate and start racking up virtual points or, mm-hmm. or, or some sort of scale where they're leveling up? or, you know, showing their social connectivity to a particular brand or influencer? And how does a brand then reciprocate and give that person some reward for doing so? You know, what what do you think of Engage to Earn? How is this, how do you you see that kind of unfolding or what's like a very simple example of of what what could be done? I think um, a good example to take from something that happened recently is, uh, Taylor Swift's um, concert debacle oh, yeah. in in America and how um, you know I think it was Ticketmaster tried to put in this system where if you had bought something I can't remember exactly what it was that then that meant you were a loyal fan so you had first access to um, the concert tickets okay um, but then the issue with that was that initial system was botted or um you know people just took <laughs> yeah. advantage of that and it wasn't set up in a way that actually um rewarded loyal fans you know um Taylor Swift fans are probably some of the most fanatical in oh, um, the industry and that's not a not a bad thing but I really think that you know these larger level um artists could really take advantage um of this, you know, engage to earn system and give back to their fans in a way that's meaningful. She's had fans for over a decade now. Mm -hmm. Um, If there was a way for her to track all the people that had bought the album, had listened to her music on across the different streaming platforms, liked her social media posts, commented on her social media posts, you know, actually went to concerts instead of buying tickets and then selling them for, you know, a ridiculous price on the secondary. Um, I think it's just a lot more uh, of a meaningful way to, you know, give back to fans. I think you nailed it on the head, actually, because when you go to these sites, it's first come, first serve. Yeah. Even if there is a requirement for you to get tickets, people find loopholes or it's not properly done to reward true fans. Yeah. People can game the system. So... Taylor Swift's been around for a long time. She has crazy, crazy fans. And that's like the extreme example um, of yes. somebody who's like this massive star. 
But then there's also these sub-communities, there's small creators, there's small brands that people just absolutely love and will advocate for. Yeah. And how do you track that love or that that fandom towards that person or brand? It is, it's just like a new paradigm where I feel there's so many different touch points that we really should be tracking. Yeah. Because like you said, something as simple as buying tickets. Yes, you may have bought the tickets, but you sold it. You, you're a a serial flipper. flipper, you know, <laughs> like you're a scalper. Yeah. Like that, you, you're not a fan. You know, I, I think being able to track attendance, so you take your ticket and you get something from actually scanning your pass at the event. Yeah. And that goes onto your... To show your, that you actually went. Yeah, it goes onto your profile. And now Taylor can see, wow, this person's followed me around the world. Yeah. <laughs> like the true fan, I'm giving them a ticket. Yeah. Or they're getting in line. That's... That's where I see this. So I'm really excited to see some new platforms, people pushing innovation in that space um, to, to do that. And I think, you know, one avenue of kind of measuring something like that potentially is decentralized social media. Mm-hmm. There's platforms like Lens or Mirror where you're able to mint blogs or you create profiles and your engagement is attached to your actual profile rather than a platform yeah. like TikTok which is a bizarre new concept, but that's something that I think we will see a trend this year. Now, the next one that we have um, on the list is UGC, so user-generated content or organic community-led creation. Now, I think you have an example of of some stuff that's been happening in the space yeah, recently. I saw, um, yeah, I saw the other day Deadfellas, uh, I, think, I think it was Betty that reposted someone had... Um, in the Dead Fellas community, created a game in Sandbox, and anyone in the Dead Fellas community could, um, I guess, essentially, it must have been um, like token gated to access that right, part of Sandbox. Okay, okay. okay. Um, and then play the um, the game that this person had created, and it was it just works out well because I think all the Dead Fellas have um, that sort of what's it called. That sandbox, their sandbox avatars. Oh, for, yes, for yes, their, um, like If you have an NFT, yeah, like a voxel um, version of your NFT. Um, and that was completely unprompted by the brand. So, you know, just interested if we're going to see more of that, um, you know, these fans of the community creating things for the brand um, to, I guess, boost uh, the awareness You know, I think when it comes to brands, something that is highly underrated is how much a community or someone who's loyal to that uh, brand wants to be involved or create or, you know, just be in that ecosystem. Yeah. And sometimes if you don't structure your business that way or your brand, you won't even know. You you don't have that, that medium for somebody to come in and like create something for you. So... This is a, a Web3 first project, Dead Fellas. Yeah. They launched a profile picture collection and Sandbox is a metaverse platform, which is essentially just a digital world where you can run around in. And the NFTs and the characters that you had, they can go into that virtual world. So that's someone that did that fully unprompted, which is crazy, right? That's a lot of work. Yeah. And imagine what more brands could see from that because what it does is it just fosters connection. It it adds value to your brand because somebody's building 
additional blocks. It. Yeah, right. It's yeah. it's really cool. I think that more brands should be focused on doing that. Like another example from a massive brand who's really pioneering the way is Nike. Now they're dropping their dot swoosh. Um, I, I don't know studio, what to call it. I think they're studios. calling it. They yeah. posted today dot swoosh studio. Okay. And essentially that is fostering co-creation with their, their community, which, yeah. which is like, it's unheard of. There's, there's some crazy sneakerheads out there. They love these certain designs. I'm sure they have a lot of creative input. There's people out there that do mock-ups and all that kind of stuff, but they can't, they don't work in Nike. They don't have the reach. <laughs> yeah, they don't have the reach. They don't have the resources, right? Yeah. And I think it's just this unique opportunity for somebody who may not have those resources to come in and work with one of their favorite brands to create this really unique uh, sneaker design. Mm -hmm. And that's used as a digital collectible and eventually can be used as like a physical product. Like you can actually see your creations come to life. Yeah. And this is just like, it's going to explode in terms of the creativity we see from Nike. Because they can just handpick which which designs are amazing because there's so much more talent now that they have access to. Yeah. And also people don't mind creating. They're, they're happy to it's create. It's a value exchange, right? You yeah. like the brand um, and so you buy from them. And it used to be just one way. You'd engage with them, like exactly. their stuff on social media. But now it's like, okay... Here, we're giving you some ownership back. Mm -hmm. Would you like to help create something with us? Are you an artist? So now you potentially have a platform that you can be building off of Nike. even And, you know, it's that return for all the years that you've potentially been giving to Nike, um, buying their products. Exactly. I think I couldn't have said it better. <laughs> what? It's one directional right now. Most yeah. brands are one directional. Just... Take my, my, consume my content, buy my products. Great. That's how we like it. Yep. But what about, let's, let's, let's switch up the people value. Are, people are cottoning on to yeah, exactly. it. Exactly. It's be. two way street, mate. Come yeah. on. Or we're going to move on to the next brand. Yes. There's, we want loyalty here. We want, we want return for our investment. I spent, I bought so many products with you. I've, I've been with you for years now. How can I benefit too? Yeah. And that, that's value for value. You know, it's not it's not like, oh, Nike has to give up well, more resources or time or whatever. It's like you actually Nike's gonna get something In big return, from that. Potentially, yeah. But people also want to contribute to it. Yeah. And they can see like how cool would it be to be a creative to design a shoe and then in a year's time that's all on the shelf. Mm. That would just be the phenomenal feeling as a fan and somebody who's loved the brand from like day dot. Well maybe it doesn't even get on the shelf. It's that um platform that uh, a global brand like nike gives you Very even true. if it's just like a um website that they host all these different designs that maybe don't become physical shoes but they become digital items mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it's just giving a person a platform that maybe didn't have the opportunity to to gain one before now that's very true um i think there is a ton of potential do you, do you see any other bigger brands or potentially industries Moving down this path as well? Um, it will be interesting to see because, you know, bigger brands have had this um, the last few years to kind of watch NFT projects do this, try to do this sort of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Um, but what bigger brands have over those NFT projects and brands is um, years of IP. 
mm-hmm. that has been built out years of brand awareness and brand loyalty. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it would potentially work better than what we've seen in the NFT space because there has been that kind of lack of um, quality or I guess brand affinity when people are creating things for NFT projects. Yeah, but yeah. if it's a brand that's lasted decades or even, you know, a few years and people know what that brand is, they have like this, uh, they resonate towards it so they can create things that work better mm-hmm, with mm-hmm. the brand. It will be interesting to see which brands actually do do it. I think it would be probably more, I guess, these innovative brands or creative brands like yeah. Nike. Um these fashion first. Yeah, fashion definitely is. Um, will be the ones that will do it. But I'm not sure. It'll be, it will be interesting. I, I think there's also the potential of some brands being worried um, if they're, I guess, led by a designer, you know, these big fashion houses. They have yeah. these creative directors and they're kind of the person that's the visionary of this brand. Yes, Does that yes, get yes. taken away from them? I don't know. I don't know if they'd be um, cautious to give away some of that power or if they'd welcome it. It would be, it's interesting. You know, that that is a challenge too. Like I would have a genuine concern if my name's on the brand yeah. and giving up ownership to somebody else yeah. just because I, I know I've succeeded and, you know, in, in curating a brand that people love and now giving up some of that control, it just, yeah, it, it's, it's well, challenging. It's also that old, old notion, I guess, as well that um, I guess – older generations or even people in our generation have to kind of get rid of um, that I worked years for this. And it's like it doesn't necessarily take years now because of that interconnectedness, the the web. (laughs) You know, it doesn't necessarily take years to build um, yourself a huge brand, a big following, a big career because you have um, all these touch points. Um, And sometimes it just takes a little bit of luck to propel you to Huge heights, and then you can create a brand off of that. So, um, yeah, I think it'll be hard for some people to let go of, but I think it's the reality of the world we live in now. It's a lot easier to gain that level of success. Oh, 100%. Especially with some of the tools that are coming out. You know, if you don't create a medium or a space for somebody to help create, co create with your brand, they're going to go off and do it themselves Yeah, exactly. because people are keen. People have seen the power that they can do from their, just their home, yep. their bedroom. And it's, it's phenomenal. You just need a computer or just even need, a phone sometimes. You just need a phone. <laughs> yeah. You don't need any, you just need the worst setup possible yeah. and you can create a great brand that people love. Yep. Um, but you know, I really think that for brands to move in that direction, they need to hear and listen and look at data from the community. Yeah. So first things first is probably creating a community yeah. <laughs> in the first place. Now, a lot of brands do have communities that are community-led, self-led, but yeah. why there's brands out there that actually curate the community themselves. Yeah. And they and stay host in touch events, with them. stay in touch. Yeah, exactly. They, they, they put on community events so that's fostered. Yeah. Now, brands that don't do that, I really think will struggle in the future. So I think that's a good place to start. You know, do we see bigger brands launching communities? Do you think is that, is that the, is that the path in which we go down to see some more community led creation? I think the, that community manager role will be one that is definitely sought after. 
mm. in the coming years because you need these newer roles um, to actually look after the community and stay yeah. in touch with it. Uh, I think a lot of bigger brands um, don't have the headcount to manage something like that. It's definitely yeah. going to take additional roles because it is it is such a large role to look after a community, especially if you have if you're a big brand and you already have millions of followers. Mm-hmm. What percentage of that is a loyal fan base that wants to actively stay in touch with your community? It's potentially in the thousands. How yeah. are you going to stay on top of, you know, that 24-hour um, communication? Yeah. How are you going to manage the, like, discourse that's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's easier on social media channels uh, like Instagram and Facebook to delete comments if if something really negative is said about people or the right. brand. Right. But how are you going to manage that when it's, I guess, more constant? Like a chat room or it's something. It's a chat room, yeah. you know? Um, so I think that will be the the main barrier for bigger brands to start creating communities is that that having that role available. Yeah, I think it's it's also a role that isn't something you can just tack on to somebody else. So you can't just say, no. "Oh, our marketing department will handle that." They deal <laughs> with social media. No, it's a really specialized skill set. You really need someone who is an advocate of the brand, who understands the tone, who understands how to engage and excite and motivate people to want to connect and and do things. It's just, it is a difficult, difficult um, role with a lot of experimentation and a lot of failure. So, Well, I think shows like Emily in Paris have kind of like <laughs> um, given this, uh, what's the word? Disillusion. Fantasy. <laughs> Fantasy of what a marketing agency or marketing department is even like, yeah. you know, the, the people in that show um, look after everything, yeah, whereas exactly. <laughs> it's more common than not to have specific people for specific yeah. um, channels or um, aspects of marketing. You know, you don't yeah. have someone that looks after social media as well as um, print ads and uh, television mm. ads. It's, exactly. It's not it's not common to have that. And if you do, then your person's probably very overworked. And then to yeah. add community management on top is just going to be People are going to be burned out if yeah. they give them all of those, all it, of those. Well, roles. They're not going to. They're not going to do the job well. No. I think that you won't have a proper community. You really need someone full time to focus on that, mm. depending on the size of your brand. But it it's something that I think every brand should be looking towards. Yeah. You know, if you if you want to thrive with Web three in in twenty twenty three, not with even without Web three, it's something that you should be looking at. Um, another another really interesting point. Um, is DAOs or decentralized autonomous organizations and how they're being used to validate demand in the market. Mm-hmm. Now, was it Lorna Chain you were talking about that was doing it or which was which organization was? Um... Um, I can't remember which one but um, it I... was, but it was a fashion brand and it was, you know, they were talking about how when they want to launch a new product, they'll do market research. And that right. sometimes involves getting a bunch of people in a room who have probably been paid to be there okay. to um, <laughs> give their opinion yep. on a product. Um, so if you've seen like Mad Men, there's a scene where they get a bunch of the women in the office to talk about, I think it's lipstick. Okay. Um, and their opinion on the lipstick or whatever, <laughs> whatever product it was. So it's it's like that. 
Um, but when you do something like that, you don't necessarily have people in the room that care about your brand, that know your brand. Um, and so I think, you know, having something like a DAO is, you know, people have paid to be, I guess, a part of the decision making for your brand, because usually generally it's because they're an advocate of it and they want to see it do well. So that's why they have paid for this token that gives them, you know, voting power in the decisions and Mm -hmm. direction that a brand goes. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think it will be uh, very interesting. I think, you know, it will probably lead to uh, better product development um, from brands because you have people having an actual say who actually use the products that you already sell, suggest or voting on what they think will be the right direction or even putting proposals forward. Yeah, Um, yeah. You know, it used to be that you just, someone in your company would maybe see something that someone else's competitor is doing and they will suggest it. Mm -hmm. But now it can come from someone in your community that has that token or ability to vote, um, putting forward a proposal Mm -hmm. that no one in your, your organization has thought of. Yeah, I think um, it's 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 a it's an interesting one because you can get people like for the lipstick example, you can get a group of women in the office to come and talk about just general lipstick things, <clears throat> and you can have, you can get um, patterns from that, or you can get insight from that. But it's a different story when you get somebody who actively engages with your lipstick brand; mm-hmm. they know your product inside and out. They know what they dislike. They, they don't like it if it's crumbly, maybe. And it's like, <laughs> you, that's a problem with, with your lipstick that you would not find out from somebody who's never used it before. Yeah. Um, and, and they actually genuinely want to see the brand grow. Now, even, even uh, what, what you said about buying a, a token to get into the DAO, <clears throat> I think it could even be tied into that engage to earn scenario where you could be potentially given a virtual currency for building you know a brand you know engaging with a brand over a a longer period and the virtual currency gives you more weight in the decisions that are made in the company so it's actually like people who have been there from from day dot or or even recently and they just heavily engage Mm -hmm. they have a lot of say in the product's development or you know ultimately could be structured in many different ways where the community input is like 20% of the decision. Yeah. So at least you're taking into account what, what are our users saying, but ultimately we still have uh, the final decision. Yeah. Because brands typically know, have a deeper insight into customer behavior and what works um, rather than somebody who, who just uses the product, but they still need that insight. Yeah. So Sometimes I, you don't think about it. You forget to be a customer sometimes. Yeah. When you're, when you're, you, when, when you're at work, you forget, okay, what is the customer experience? Something that we do at work sometimes is um, my team leader will say, go online and buy that. Here's, I've put $20 on your customer account. Yep. Go buy that. What is that experience actually like? <laughs> you're giving me insights, but do you actually know what that customer journey is like? Yeah. Because you never buy as a customer. You just buy as a team member. Exactly. Um, so, yeah, it's interesting to get that viewpoint. Yeah. Um I think the more more angles you can see a problem, sometimes you can find something that you're missing. Yep. And actually potentially create that amazing product or improve it, uh, improve an existing one. Yep. 
Now, our last point for Web3 Trends today is big brands like Salesforce, Shopify, Instagram. How are these going to lead brands or, or influencers diving into Web3? How, how do we see that that shift? You know, do you, do you have any thoughts on on how we could see some of these bigger brands moving us towards that direction? Well, I think they have the audience. <laughs> I think they have the audience already. Um, you know, Salesforce has all their clients from uh, CRM, from their uh, marketing um, platform. You know, they can always talk to these enterprises that they have already as clients to strategize their entry into Web3. Mm-hmm. Um you know, hopefully you would you would hope that they have a bit of an understanding of the brands that they work with um, so they can assist in how that actually ties into what they're doing in these other channels. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you've got Shopify, which has a lot of um, – they have big brands, but they have a lot of smaller businesses on there as well. So I think it'll be interesting to see how they onboard um, people that use their platform to build their e-commerce sites. Yep. Um, and then Instagram, they have the – they have the audience, you know, it's a, it's filled with influencers and content creators um, that are constantly looking to how they can build their audience and even maintain their audience because it is always a problem, you know, mm-hmm. keeping up with the algorithm. Um, so I think for all three of those um, examples, it will take education and um, actually reaching out to potential brands or creators or influencers um, in how to use Web3 in part, as part of their strategy. Yeah, it, it definitely takes a long time to actually implement some of, the, some of these things and get momentum on it. Um, they're positioned well because so many people use them. Yeah. <clears throat> and I don't think uh, brands or influencers need motivation, like you said, they're looking. They want these yeah. new tools, these new avenues. They love to experiment. So it's education, 100%. It's about giving them tools in a simple way. Hey, we rolled out a new feature. This is the How value you get from you? it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is a win for you. It's simple. It's seamless. And I mean, if you look at those three, they're known for their user experience, right? They're known yeah. for creating really simple user interfaces for some complex technology. And we've seen these brands evolve over many years and they, they create content to help creators. They got a creator first mindset. Mm-hmm. So I really think that 2023 will be the year when we see some of these products come to life. We've already seen Instagram uh, implement you know, digital collectibles, which are NFTs. And buying on the platform as well. It's, you know what I mean? Like it's there, right? Yeah. People, people may not be using it. It may be in early stages, but... We need to see that start growing. We're going to see new tactics on how they get people to start using that feature yep. and how the platform promotes that feature. I think it will be like for Instagram um, specifically, it will be interesting to see how they roll it out because I know with the digital collectibles kind of so far, it's been these artists that are really prominent in mm-hmm. the NFT space already. Um, I don't know a lot of the artists that I follow now um, that I've been kind of following the NFT journey on, I didn't know before I jumped into this space. Yep. So is that the same for their a lot of their audience that mm-hmm. they grew because of NFTs? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm not saying that that is true. Yeah. Um, 
But do we need to, <clears throat> does Instagram need to be reaching out to people that have built their audience pre-NFTs mm-hmm. and educating them on how to um, use this for their existing audience rather than people that are already digital or collectible or NFT native first? Do you exactly. know what I mean? Um, there, there's so many great artists or creators out there already. They see that feature and they're like, oh, cool, you know. I want to use it, but I don't get it. Yeah. I don't understand how I can create an NFT collection. Yeah, they have that NFT first mindset, but it's it's really about seeing what the actual value is yep. for that rather than looking at it like, oh, that's an NFT. No, it's not. It's just another avenue for you to deliver value to your audience. Yeah. I think it'll also, I think with that, a trend we'll probably see is, there'll be a greater reliance on analyst roles within companies mm-hmm. because you need to know um, you need to know if people are actually in this space, in this like crypto blockchain um, interest. And I think if you have a portion, even just a portion of your uh, followers or community um, that are more digitally web three savvy, mm-hmm. then you have a greater chance of diving in, but it's going to take that analysis <clears throat> piece of maybe, um, I guess, sharing data with, or, or looking at data on the blockchain to see what, um, what people are kind of buying at yep. the moment, um, in terms of NFTs, does that have any kind of affinity to your brand? Right. For example, um, Nike obviously sells NFTs. Yep. Um, if I'm, well, I know Reebok's already done um, an NFT, but you know another sporting brand that hasn't um, jumped in yet, Asics. Yep. For example, maybe they've jumped in too. I don't know, but seeing if there is even that um, want in that um, customer demographic, that customer yeah. segment. Okay. Okay. Of your audience, um, because then that's probably going to encourage people to dive in a bit more. You don't want to dive in when you don't know if there's demand mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. potentially it's money and hours, resources spent for an audience that isn't there for you at that at this particular time. Yeah. Um, I, I also think that there's an opportunity to try and innovate in the way that you do sell an NFT, in the way that it's not marketed to a Web3 audience as well. That's I think, true. you know... If you can come up with a creative way to use that tool, whether that's like selling a digital collectible of a Taylor Swift album, and then it ties back into that engaged to earn system where it's like, oh, I was going to, you know, potentially stream that music, but this is a cool collectible um, from Taylor Swift that I want to buy her music from. And now you have something that is shows your your proof as a, a collector, as a, as a fan. And you can potentially use that to reward your audience down the track. But you don't label it as a an NFT or even a digital collectible. You can label it as whatever you want. Yeah. But that's just another avenue of value that you could add potentially. Um, it's all about messaging. It's messaging. <laughs> it's all it's all marketing. It's how you you package this thing up. Because Web three is scary. Web three is you know people think either crypto or scam, scam. or NFTs <laughs> or, or losing money. You know what I mean? Like it's like. Or just like, oh, that's some nerdy tech rubbish that I don't care about. <laughs> so how can we showcase to people this is really awesome and it's going to change your lives? Yep. 
marketing. There's a lot to lot to see on the 2023 horizon. Um, I'm really excited for it. Anyway, let us know your thoughts for what you think the trends will be in 2023 for Web3. Links are in the description. Remember to subscribe to the pod. And other than that, I'll see you on the next one. Peace.